This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, September 20th, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Trade is good. So why is free trade in energy so bound up in protectionist restrictions? Scott Linsicum, an international trade attorney and adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute, says contrary to popular opinion, free trade in energy would be good news for Americans. Whenever I talk to uh, Dan Eikenson here at the Cato Institute, the first line of any podcast that we record for the most part is, so trade is good, right? And I I feel like that point actually has to be made over and over and over again because no matter where we go, we see evidence of policies that indicate that trade is probably bad. And energy is uh, is sort of a good example of that. It's a fantastic example of it. And in fact, what's so interesting about energy trade in the United States is that it even uh, is supported by the kind of mercantilist views that exports are good. Um, you know, we, due to the uh, amazing shale revolution that, that the United States has witnessed in the last 10 years, um, we are poised to become a net energy exporter for the first time in, in decades. Um, however, we have uh, export restrictions in place that dramatically curtail the uh, exports of natural gas and crude oil. So for once, here we actually have the mercantilist favorite argument for exports, 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 and yet we have restrictions in place that dramatically limit those. Okay. So uh, if I'm hearing a politician talk to constituents, we need energy independence. We shouldn't be sending our cheap energy to other countries and help them develop what is the problem in that thinking? Oh, there's there's multiple problems. The the, the most obvious is that politician that those politicians fail to understand that by curtailing exports, you're actually not doing anything for energy independence. And in fact, you're discouraging investment in the sector. You know, investors are rational, and if they can't look down the road five, ten years out and see that they have a way to ensure a return on their investment, then they're not going to invest. And what an export restriction does, particularly for crude oil, which is an outright ban to all countries other than Canada, uh, they see that should prices collapse, uh, they have no way to export the product in order to hedge against that collapse. So for a politician that wants true, uh, more increased energy production, uh, the best thing he can do is permit exports and let the free market work to create stability in the market rather than some silly notion of independence. Now, are there efficiencies to be gained from or domestic consumers of those energy sources by fostering that kind of investment? Oh, definitely. Um, Again, if you... If you continue to distort the market through these export restrictions, what you're going to see and what we have seen is an actual decrease in production. So yes, there will be a short-term price collapse that can benefit certain consumers. But in the longer term, which I know politicians never think of the longer term, you're actually going to have prices above the levels they would have been had we permitted uh, free trade in the product. So consumers get a little bit of a sugar high, but they face a pretty serious hangover. You mentioned Canada, which is the U.S. number one trading partner, I think, mm-hmm. still. Uh, but we also have restrictions on the degree to which energy can be shipped among U.S. states. Yes. And, well, what is what is the point of that? 
there is no point. Unfortunately, um, there are multiple uh, restrictions, uh, some of them infrastructure-related. So we have uh, the Keystone Pipeline being a good example. Uh, but a lack of pipeline infrastructure, um, which, of course, is delayed by not only political decisions in Washington, but environmental regulations and lawfare and so forth. Um, we also have in place uh, a little-known uh, law called the Jones Act, which the Jones Act restricts interstate shipping to only U.S. flagged, manufactured, and staffed vessels. So what this has done is it has uh, significantly increased the cost of shipping, for example, Oklahoma crude uh, from a Texas port up to a refiner in Massachusetts. So given these significant uh, price hurdles, what we see is refiners, or, or sorry, producers actually shipping their product to Canada to then have it refined and shipped straight back to the United States. Now, of course, inevitably, this is going to lead to higher prices for the consumer and at, at only benefiting a small cabal of uh, shipping unions and producers. What is the response to these kinds of restrictions from Domestic producers. Well, uh, producers, uh, you know, being rational actors and not policy wonks, are just looking for uh, the the easiest way to continue to uh, run a profitable enterprise. And right now, unfortunately, uh, the best way to do that is to spend a few hundred million dollars building mini refineries. And all these mini refineries do is slightly refine crude oil such that it no longer is subject to the export restriction. So this circumvents the export restriction, um, but it, they can't sell that slightly refined product for the same prices that they could sell crude. So they're taking a loss on the sale. They have to sell the refined product at a discount. And of course, they wasted hundreds of millions of dollars uh, building these refineries. So in the end, we see a, a significant net economic loss for not only the United States, but for the industry and its workers. Now, politically, the problem, of course, is once these guys have expended hundreds of millions of dollars to build these refineries, they're not going to actually advocate the elimination of the export restrictions because it's an excellent barrier to their competition. So we see consumers getting shafted twice. Uh, not only do they... Um, pay higher prices in the short term, but they're uh, unfortunately uh, insured uh, no reform of the system in the long term. Scott Lincecum is an international trade attorney and an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.